What's no one talking about as spring practice approaches for the Cincinnati Bearcats football? I'll touch on that on today's episode. Plus, I've got some thoughts on the AP Top 25, the AP poll, and college athletics sort of as a whole and conference realignment. <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of this show today is based off a conversation that I had with my assignment editor. You're locked on Bearcats, and it comes to you right now. You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. First things first. There, there's my Twitter handle. It's up at the start of the show today. I didn't do that yesterday. That's okay. Uh, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. I'm going to take my glasses off because I look better without them. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here, and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. RunYourPool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Alex Frank here with you on this Wednesday, March 2nd of 2022. You know, my my days are mixed up, man. I, I you know, I record the I record the episodes of this show the night before. So Monday shows recorded Sunday, Tuesday shows recorded Monday, so on and so forth. So it's like I think it's the next day of the week, and then once I finish recording, I realize it's not, and that's not a great feeling. So, yeah, my days are, are messed up. I, I've been living in an extended stay. I can tell you all about that um, at, at this really nice hotel, though, at Mercer's campus. But I'm looking forward to moving into my apartment down here in Macon, Georgia. So I, I, I tell you, <laughs> it's been a crazy last three weeks. All right, so a lot to get to today. So one area that's not being talked about going into spring practice, and this can be because you don't talk about this position a lot, just for that reason alone, it's not talked about. Because who talks about the kicker? Well, we should be talking about the kicker. And by the way, by the way, this city, this city had a kicking kicker fever this past fall and football season with Evan McPherson with the Bengals. So don't think that a kicker is not important to a football team. In the games the Bearcats have lost in years past, you go back the last four years. 2018, the two losses Cincinnati had at Temple, Cole Smith missed at least one field goal. He might have missed two. Um, Cole Smith cost the Bearcats that game potentially. Then at UCF, he missed two field goals and an extra point. He had one field goal blocked. You go to 2019. Bearcats lose in Memphis in the last game of the regular season. Luke Fickle did not go for a field goal midway through the third quarter, down three. Went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. Memphis goes down and scores on their next possession, and the Bearcats were uphill battling the rest of the way. There have been games in years past where the Bearcats have lost via a kicker. And I do believe there is value in having a kicker. As a Bengals fan, I didn't like Randy Bullock. Randy Bullock was good 
But, or I should say he was, eh, nothing special. He occasionally missed from inside 40 yards. <clears throat> Opening day against the Chargers in 2020 when he supposedly pulled a calf. No, he didn't. He just missed the kick. Um, m- one of my very first memories as a Bengals fan, seminal moments. You know how I talked to you about seminal moments on a previous show? Which, by the way, apparently I hit 50 shows yesterday. So that's good. That's a good milestone. That's a good accomplishment. So one of my first memories as a Bengals fan was Shane Graham missing a 39-yard field goal in Week 17 of 2006. If that field goal is good, the Bengals go to the playoffs. So ever since then, I, I, I get really nervous when a Bearcats kicker trots out onto the field and so, too, with the Bengals kicker. I still get nervous even with Evan McPherson. It's a good nervous now, but it wasn't when Randy Bullock, Mike Nugent, Shane Graham were here. Now, Shane Graham missed two field goals inside 35 yards in the 2009 wildcard game. So we're not talking about the kicker going into spring practice this coming Saturday for Cincinnati, but we should. The Bearcats were 9 for 19 as a team last year kicking field goals. So who is your competition? So, so who do you have a kicker this year? Justin Williams, who, similar to what I did, and I need to get him on the show because we agree on a lot of things. We see things very similarly. Um, he's got a, I mean, he's an unbelievable writer, like I mentioned. So you talk about, um, the kicking game and who are your, your, your competitions. You, I mean, who do you have? Ryan Coe, the transfer from Delaware is your only option. Ryan Coe is it. You know, Cole Smith was not really that good. In the limited time or the limited um, usage he had at Cincinnati, there was a stretch in the 2020 season where Cole Smith was never used for kicking field goals. He only kicked extra points. And so when the Bearcats had to win a game by kicking a field goal, yeah, it it did give you some – it did give you some nerves. They made a kicking change in 2019. It was so bad. Cole Smith goes 5-12 his freshman season. He misses a 36-yard field goal against UCLA in the first quarter. Bearcats never turned back to him unless it was for a long-range field goal. Sam Crosa held the job that year, nailed two game-winning field goals. This kick, the kicking game for Cincinnati is an issue. And someone commented in the athletic there may be a game that comes down to the kicker this year. There may be. Cincinnati may not blow every team out this year. Look at the margin of victory that they had last year. There were only two games that were decided by eight points or less. And those games did not come down to the kicker. Those games came down to Arquan Bush making a play with the interception to seal the win in Navy, and then a defensive stand twice on four, on against Tulsa um, in Week 10. The game never came down to the kicker. And really, there have only been a handful of games in this city or within this program that have come down to the kicker in recent years. 
but you do have to prepare for it to happen. Hopefully, Ryan Coe is good. I don't know. You also have Christian Lowry, Alex Bales. But the kicking game is, it's bad. Like, the AAC championship game last year, Cole Smith, or whoever it was, I think it might have been Alex Bales, missed a 23-yard field goal. I don't care if the hash marks are different in college than they are in the NFL. 23-yard field goals are easy. Sorry. They should be made with relative ease. You should not miss a 23-yard field goal. Now, then again, Cole Smith provided the only points for Cincinnati in the college football playoff game. But it, it, it is an issue. The Bengals took a lot of heat for drafting the kicker in the fifth round. I was okay with it. I said from the outset of training camp, Evan McPherson needs to win the starting job. I saw him kick in training camp. I went to the third, Was it was the third or fourth practice, maybe fifth. It was the Saturday family day at Paul Brown Stadium. I went to that practice. I'm watching Evan McPherson kick from 60 yards, and they hit halfway up the upright. I said to my cousin, and I said to everybody, Evan McPherson needs to win the starting field goal job, the starting kicker job. He did. Bengals got it right, and they practically rode him to the Super Bowl. Not practically, they did. His game-winning field goals this season, season opener against Minnesota, ring of honor game against Jacksonville, division-clinching game against Kansas City, divisional round game at Tennessee, and then the AFC Championship game at Kansas City. All five game-winning kicks had significance to them. And oh, by the way, if it had been for a gust of win against Green Bay, would have won that, would have won them that game too. So there's that for you. Having a kicker is important. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it as much as the quarterback battle or the cornerback battle or the running back battle or uh, offensive line or the transfers. We're not going to talk about the kicker a lot. However, it's not just going to be something I plant in the back of my mind. It's going to be something that I think about. Because do I want because do I want just some average no uh just some average Joe kicker to come out and kick a game winning field goal? Well, we don't know who the we don't know who Ryan Coe really is. I'd love for the first game of the season for Ryan Coe to either A go three for three and be a, a be, be a reason and a difference why the Bearcats win the game, or B him have to kick the game winning field goal from 45 yards. And if he makes it, he's a hero. If he doesn't, well, who knows? It'll make for a fun show here. Either way, it'll be a fun show if we win or lose that game. The kicking game's not being talked about, but it should be. Because I believe, just like that fan commented in The Athletic, there will be a game that comes down to a kicker this season. All right, so um, we had a uh, the Locked On College channel had a meeting last week. Um, with uh, a mar- with the new marketing director. And one thing that was brought up in that meeting, I've thought about, and there was it was no better display than this past weekend in college basketball. And I'm going to touch on it next here on Lockdown Bearcats. But first, I need to tell you about, well, let me make sure I'm doing this correctly. And I'm not. Because that ad is in the second um uh, live read segment, if you will. I need to tell you about Built Bar because this is that time of year where 
I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. But not this year, because I'm sticking to them thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Here's why. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, 100% real chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein, replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away by Built Bars only being 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs each, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thank you for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it. Alex Frank here with you on this Wednesday, March 2nd of 2022. Conference tournaments continue tonight. I mean, this is the best time of the year. It really is. I was thinking about this yesterday. Every team in the country that's playing in a conference tournament is has a number next to them. They have a number. Just like there are 25 teams in the country that have a number attached to them during the season. Every team matters because they have a number next to their name. And that perfectly um, transitions into my next my next segment, my next topic. So college sports are subjective, heavily subjective. Because if what had ha- if, if what happened on Saturday in college basketball had happened in the NFL, it would have been simple math. The top six teams lose, number seven moves up. That's what would have happened. Duke would have been number one. In the NFL, if every team in front of you loses and you win, you go ahead of those three teams in your division. As is the case in MLB, NBA, and NHL. Because those sports, professional sports, are driven by strictly wins and losses. And it factors directly into the standings. College sports are not like that. They are highly subjective. You have your AP Top 25. That was the point brought up at our marketing meeting last week. College sports are subjective with the AP poll And the fact that you have writers voting for the AP Top 25, that is why they are subjective. Do I like it? No. I don't. Now, the excitement of checking in, of checking the poll every week and seeing where your team is, that's exciting. But what's not is, like, if you're a Duke fan, excuse me, your team should be number one right now. Gonzaga, Arizona, Auburn, Purdue, um, Kansas, and uh, Kentucky all lost. Duke won. Duke should be number seven. Gonzaga is number one. Arizona is number two. They stayed where they were. Baylor's number three. 
It is subjective. The writers thought, hmm, Baylor winning a game against the number five team in the country without their best player and a whole slew of other injuries. That's enough to move them up seven spots ahead of a team that went on the road and won by 25 points. But that came against a lesser opponent in Syracuse. So we're not going to give him that too much credit. In, in pro sports, if that happened, it's simple math. The team that, uh, behind the teams that lost and that team wins moves up to first place. And I am a, I am a college sports fan. I am. But it is so subjective, man. It really is. Michigan should have been number one in the college football playoff. Alabama was number one because they had the best win of any team during the regular season. And as a result, they had voters who are writers who, yes, are supposed to be neutral and factually based driven. But as I learned in journalism, the method is objective because nobody can be completely objective. The method is objective. Nobody can be completely objective. If you are, then congratulations. You have achieved the impossible. Everyone has opinions. And because college sports are driven by AP rankings during the season, which in turn are what determine who goes to the college football playoff, who goes to bowl games, and in some and they in some instances determine who is the number one overall seed and the top four seeds in the NCAA tournament. It shouldn't be that way. Now, then again, I you could say, well, what way should they do it? Now, that's a good question. College sports are subjective. High school sports are somewhat subjective. More so in college. You know it more so in college because you watch it more than high school. No offense. College sports are extremely, are heavily subjective. Alabama should not have been number one. But because they're Alabama and because they play in the SEC, and because they just beat Georgia, who had been the best team up to that point, they beat him by 17. And their number two wide receiver got hurt in that game. That was enough for them, for the voters to say, hmm, or the selection committee, which don't tell me they're objective. No way in hell they aren't. No way in hell they are. And I'm sure everybody, I'm sure every other college channel locked on host can will agree with me on that. They just, they said, you know what? That's better than Michigan following up a win against Ohio State and beating a team in the Big Ten Championship game by 39 points. Yep, Alabama deserves to be number one. What? No. And that matters to you here in Cincinnati. It matters to me because as soon as Alabama won, my thought process was, oh, bleep, we're playing Alabama in the college football playoff. I would have taken my chances against Michigan. I would have taken my chances against Michigan. I think UC could have beaten them. It would have been... Alabama-Georgia in the semifinals, which, by the way, wouldn't have been a bad thing. And UC versus Michigan. So that ensures Georgia and Alabama can't play for the national championship. There is subjectivity in this sport at a heavy level. No question about it. And I love college football. I love college basketball. But damn it, the subjectivity sometimes ruins it for me. And does and I want I want to know from you. Does it ruin it for you? Does it ruin? Does the subjectivity, the fact that there's an AP poll during the season, the fact that there's a college football playoff committee, which you want to say they're objective? <laughs> what medication are you on? That was a joke. I'm not. Eh, maybe a little too deep. But anyway, 
The college football playoff committee, they're not they're not objective. The selection committee for college basketball. For crying out loud, Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma by three three times in the 2017-18 season. Guess who made the tournament and guess who didn't? Oklahoma did, Oklahoma State didn't. How does that work? I don't know. Yeah, it's because there is there is subjectivity. They're supposed to pick the best 68 teams. I don't think they did that here. This is the problem. There, There is, like, the playoffs in pro sports, there is no subjectivity. You either win your division and get a home playoff game in the NFL, or you win enough games to qualify as a wild card. Same two in MLB. You either win enough games to win your division, or you win enough games to qualify as a wild card. Same too. Now the NHL is a little different because they they have a point system, which I I don't mind at all. You win, you get. I mean, because you have to win to earn points, and the more the more games you win, the more points you earn, which in turn improves your playoff seed. You win a, you win a game, you get two points. You win in overtime or a shootout, you get one point. You lose, well, SOL. Sometimes I sometimes I even forget how that works. I think it's if you win. You win you in the regular in regulation you get two points. If you lose, you uh I don't think you get any points if you lose. If you win in overtime or a shootout, you get one point. I think that's how it works. So I hope it is. Anyway, college sports are subjective. Duke should be the number one team in the country right now. If college sports worked the way pro sports worked, Duke would be number one, and there and there would be a major shakeup. But maybe the maybe the AP voters thought we can't really shake this up that much, can we? You can't. But because there's subjectivity, like the only thing that's not determined subjectively in college sports is who plays for a conference championship in football and who wins the conference regular season in basketball and seedings. The national stuff, though, is determined by national. Voters who are not objective. Let's be honest. They're not. The award now, there is subjectivity in in pro sports. Um, NFL honors, the baseball hall of fame, highly subjective. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that voting process. Um there are there are things like that that are subjective in pro sports, but in terms of the season. In terms of the in-season play, nothing is subjective. College sports, a lot of it is. And I love college sports. I love college football now more so than ever because Cincinnati is a part of the, you know, the exclusivity, the fun, the top. And, you know, Bearcats basketball outside of the last three years has have been really good. But man, the subject, the subjectivity that is within college sports, it does ruin the fun for me. It really does. Alabama's always going to get the benefit of the doubt. We are subjected to believe that because of some subjectivity by the by national voters. SEC teams will always get the benefit of the doubt. Ohio State will get the benefit of the doubt. If USC, <coughs> excuse me, if USC ever gets good again, they will get the benefit of the doubt. That's just the way it works. And it sucks. But that's where we're at in college sports. All right. 
coming up, um, some parts of my conversation I had with my assignment editor at um, the TV station I work at here in Macon, Georgia, WGXA. Interesting, interesting, interesting topics brought up in that conversation. Has something else to do with college sports that I'm starting to see. Maybe we can continue to do what's happening. It's coming up next year on Lockdown Bearcats, but first I need to tell you about Run Your Pool. You see, March Madness is only 11 days away. That's Selection Sunday. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual, or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here, and we're running brackets with RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pickaxe, both really fun in their own way. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks, all stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain customers. Plus, they offer full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. This episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. With Rock Auto, you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. For example, we encourage you, they encourage me to discover your own car part needs. Discover how Rock Auto can help and share with your listeners. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we send you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you on this Tuesday, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, see, my day's getting mixed up again. Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022, conference tournaments. Continuing tonight, plenty of action last night. Continuing tonight, um, I recorded this at the time, not knowing the uh, what's going to happen with Major League Baseball. Very much looking forward to hopefully their lockout being settled by the time you are hearing this show. Uh, can't wait to get to Braves games here. I know their first home series is ironically against my hometown team, the Reds. So that'll be fun. Anyway, so the American Athletic Conference is expanding in 2023. Those teams are going to be added. There's going to be 15 teams in the conference, 14 in football, 15 in basketball. I think that's really good for them. Now, there's still, I, it's, I still struggle to, to determine what their identity is. Like the SEC, you know it's physicality. The ACC, largely the same way. Big Ten driven in the trenches. 
Big 12, Air Raid, Pac-12, no defense, Air Raid. There's identities within Power 5 conferences. The American Athletic Conference does not have one. And that's why I don't like it. It's just, like I said earlier on a show, earlier, it's a bunch of teams slopped together from Conference USA and teams left over from the Big East. And, and that's not a good thing. So you've got Alabama, Birmingham, North Texas, Charlotte, Florida Atlantic. Um, there, I have the whole list pulled up. I don't know why I just didn't think about using that. The American is getting, well, I thought I had it pulled up. So the American Athletic Conference is getting six new teams. All right, let's try this again. UAB, FAU, Charlotte, North Texas, Rice, UTSA. Great picks. Great picks. So that's 15 teams. Three teams leaving for football and men's basketball. Six new teams joining. So you'll have 14 in football and 15 in basketball. Wait, no, that... I'm sorry, wait. Now I'm getting all confused. 14 in football and... Well, now I'm really getting perplexed. Oh, this is... Not good. Um, are there? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, there are. Um, 14 in football. I forgot about Navy. And then 15. We have 11 teams right now. Three leaving. 14 in men's basketball. Is it 14? Yeah. I, I'm really. Yeah, that's right. 14 in football. 14 teams. Sorry. Not 15. 14 teams. My math sucks, as you know. Saying here. Um. 14-team league in football and in men's and women's basketball. So 14 teams. It's more than the Big 12 will have. It's more than the uh, Pac-12 will have. It's more than, yeah. Six new teams. Geographically, it makes sense. But I'm having this conversation with my assignment editor yesterday at WGXA. And the, the conferences nowadays... The conferences nowadays, they're not so regional. They're expanding. They're expanding their geographic area. Rutgers to Nebraska in the Big Ten, West Virginia to the Great Plains in the Big Twelve. The SEC now runs from South Carolina to Missouri and Texas A&M. The ACC runs from Miami all the way up to Boston, and then over to Notre Dame and Louisville. The um. The Pac-12 runs from Colorado all the way up to Washington. That's pretty substantial. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, you look around NFL and MLB. The NBA and NHL are regionally based. Then again, the Western Conference in the NBA runs from Memphis to Sacramento. And there are teams, I think, west of Memphis, or maybe I'm just imagining things, that are in the Eastern Conference. So you have MLB and the NFL. They are regional conferences. Like, their conferences stretch from the East Coast to the West Coast. College football used to be very regionally based, but now it's becoming more national. Now the American Athletic Conference is going to have teams from, excuse me, Philadelphia all the way out to Texas. Going down into Orlando, And you're going to have, you know, Rice takes over in Houston. 
North Texas, you know, FAU is a Boca, is Boca Raton. That gives them a, a South Florida team. So I'm wondering, and so um, my assignment editor goes, Gonzaga should join a Power 5 conference. Well, that might have, I might have said that, and I do believe Gonzaga could do well in a Power 5 conference. Excuse me. Gonzaga, if, if they were to join, let's say, the Pac-12. Now, the problem is they don't have football. Power 5 conferences are driven by football. And that, you know, it's understandable, but college football is the highest revenue-driven sport that there is. And I think we've started to understand that, especially with the effects of COVID-19. But Power 5 athletics are driven by college football. The only power conference, you could argue, that's not driven by its football is the Big East. I would argue the Big East is a power conference. When you look at the quality of teams in that league, and you look at the fact that they have a top 10 team right now in Providence, they have a top 15 team in Villanova who, if they win, to, who, you know, they played last night, you know the result. I don't at the time that I'm recording this. Another weird thing about this. Um, so Gonzaga, yes, it makes sense that they join a Power Five conference. Let's say they join. Let's say they were to join the American. That would give the American basically the entire country. The Big Twelve is going to be eventually West Virginia all the way out to Salt Lake City when BYU comes over with Cincinnati to the Big Twelve. That's a large area of the country. College football eventually may take on what the NFL and the MLB have, and that is conferences that are the whole country based. The AFC in football runs from New England all the way out to California. The NFC runs from the East Coast all the way out to Seattle. It's all over the country. You know, MLB's got um, Boston to Seattle in the American League. The National League, they have um, New York all the way to California. This land is your land. This land is my land. As Woody Guthrie would say. So I'm wondering, you know, Gonzaga, of course, doesn't have a football team. Could they join a Power 5 conference without a football team? Well, Notre Dame's independent, and yet they're in the ACC for basketball. So it makes sense there. Why wouldn't it make sense for Gonzaga to, you know, join the Big 12, Mountain West, even, which is a really good conference this year in basketball, or the Pac-12, which I said two years, I said three years ago they could join the Pac-12 and go 17-1. and and only lose one game or 19-1, however many games they play in the Pac-12. I am convinced of that. I am convinced that Gonzaga could do well in a Power 5 conference. Like, Joe Lenardi says St. Mary's has been the most consistent program over the last 15 years. <coughs> Does he not know that there's another team in their, in their conference that has been kicking ass since 2013? And you can say, and I know someone who was on my staff at BearCast Media who always would tell me, oh, Gonzaga's not a championship caliber program because they never won a national championship. Yes, shut your mouth. Gonzaga is a championship caliber program. They played for two national championships. So what if they haven't won one yet? They are still, I mean, people forget Gonzaga just 10 years ago was, you know, still a darling, still a Cinderella team, still that cool team that you thought, well, how far can they go this year? Ever since 2013, it hasn't even been 10 years. Or it's 10 years this year. 
Gonzaga is a perennial powerhouse, a blue blood. Since 2013, you want to talk about most consistent programs. Since 2013, Gonzaga has been a number four seed four times. 2013, 2017, 2019, 2021. They will be probably this year. They are they are they they have been an overall number one seed. What mid-major program besides Gonzaga can say that? Not no one, none of them can. None of them. It's Gonzaga the last 10 years, five sweet 16s, two final fours, two final fours. Twice they played for a national championship. Kentucky's only played for one national championship since 2013. Since the year after they won it. Duke's only played for one. North Carolina's played for two. It's them and Gonzaga that have played for national championships. I'm sorry, Villanova's also played for two because they've won two. Can't forget about them. Now I'm kind of bouncing around, but I'm just pointing out with the ever-changing landscape of college athletics, conferences are becoming more wide-ranging. It's no longer the Big 8 is down in Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. The Big 12 now goes from West Virginia to the Great Plains and then out to Salt Lake City, and now it's going to be going up to Cincinnati and down to UCF and over to Houston. So why can't Gonzaga join a Power 5 conference? If they were to join the American, they would get instant credibility. Or I'm sorry, I, I just wanted to say that. That would boost... They, meaning the American, would get instant credibility. Because you have Gonzaga. That would give you more options to have your conference tournament. You could go Kansas. You could go, oh, I don't know, Oklahoma City. Denver. You could go uh, uh, Memphis. You could go uh, Houston or San Antonio. Ooh, Alamo Dome. Why don't why don't these if the American wants to be a power six conference, if Mike Oresco wants them to be that, and that's one thing I like about him is his um, his ability as a spokesperson, as a spokesman and a hype man and a campaign manager or campaign man, so to speak. If you want to become a power six conference, lure Gonzaga to your conference. Seriously, the West Coast Conference is a historic conference because. San Francisco's been in it for so long. They won national. They won a national championship when Sam, when Bill Russell was there. Gonzaga's been unbelievably good the last twenty plus years. So, if you're losing Cincinnati, who you were privileged to have, excuse me, at men's basketball the last ten years almost. Why don't you bring in Gonzaga? That would give you 15 teams in men's basketball. And if you had to lure in another one, maybe Loyola Chicago. Can you imagine that? That's almost as good as a Power 5 conference. Like the American, it just doesn't have an identity. Television deal sucks. There's not really much opportunity. Big East got Big East has more, and a lot of those teams, Big East has more, and you know some of the some of the teams are in American cities' backyards. Change that, and you can bring Gonzaga over 
you know, have the conference go the entire country. Can have divisions. And then all teams convene in a conference tournament. But because it's so driven by football, I don't know if that'll happen. Like the Big 12, like that was a football-based decision. Oklahoma and Texas are leaving for the SEC. It's what opened up for Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and BYU to come to the Big 12. BYU just played in the West Coast. Or maybe Gonzaga joins the Big 12. Ooh, that could be something. And get Memphis to come too. I take that. And yes, it would only have, and then it would have, you know, 13 teams in football. You want to maybe bring Notre Dame over, you could do that. Oh, no, I'm kind of spinning my wheels here. Anyway, plenty more to get to. I, I would love to get Justin Williams on the show sometime this week. Maybe we will. Um, Bearcats have two games, of course, this week in men's basketball. They played at Houston last night. We'll recap that show or that game tomorrow. SMU is tomorrow night, final regular season game ahead of the conference tournament in Dallas. And uh, we want to thank you for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. Now make your second listen. Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore and email me at alex3frank at gmail.com. And until we talk to you tomorrow, I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats, and have a great rest of your Wednesday.